Shame is a control mechanism by society. When women feel shame, it's usually a control mechanism by patriarchal structures of society to keep us in line, to keep us doing things in a certain way. And one of the most healing tools for me and what I've really learned very pretty recently, it's just in the past year, is the medicine of validation. I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the podcast. I'm really excited to be introducing today's podcast guest to you all. Sarah Avant Stover has been a pioneering teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality for the past 20 years. She is the best selling author of The Way of the Happy Woman, Living the Best Year of Your Life, and The Book of She Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power. She is a graduate of Columbia University's all-women's school, Barnard College, and after a cancer scare in her early 20s, she moved to Chiang Mai, Thailand for a decade. There, she led Thailand's first 200-hour Yoga Alliance teacher training, and she became one of Southeast Asia's leading yoga instructors. Sarah is the creator of the world's first women's yoga teacher training, and her work has uplifted the lives of tens of thousands of women worldwide and has been featured in Yoga Journal, The Huffington Post, Newsweek, Natural Health, and on ABC, NBC, and CBS. Sarah recently moved from Santa Barbara back to Boulder, Colorado, and she is such a wealth of information. She goes really deep with us here today in this conversation talking about what the last five years of her life have looked like since she published the book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power. And she talks with us very candidly about how she's taking care of herself right now, what she's been learning, and the shape of her work as it is right now. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. And Sarah is truly a gift to the world. Her work has deeply impacted me, and she has been a beloved friend for over 10 years now. So I am grateful to have her voice here on the Women Today podcast, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Hi, Emma. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time and 
you know, listeners got to hear a little bit more about your professional background and the work you do in the world in the more formal bio. But I'm wondering if we can just get a little window and insight into your world and how you're spending your time these days, what you're prioritizing and just how you are. Sure. Uh, Well, in this moment, I am sitting in my office in my new home in Boulder, Colorado, traditional Arapaho lands. And I just moved back here. I don't know. (laughs) Has it been maybe six weeks ago? Feels like longer. I was living in... um, Santa Barbara, California for a couple of years. And so I've just been getting settled in, in my new home here and just getting settled back in Boulder. As you know, I lived here for 10 years before going to California. And Boulder has changed a lot since I left. And, and I've changed a lot since I left. So there's a reacquainting process happening. Well, I'm just really excited for listeners to get to know you today if they don't already know you. And the conversation I want to have feels twofold because you're an amazing and gifted teacher and you've written two very powerful and instructional uh, books. I feel like you have such a gift, Sarah, for putting things into language that can sometimes feel really nebulous or mysterious in our experiences as women. And then I know that you're also a human and a woman who has been walking a very deep and healing journey of your own, definitely over the last five years, but um, for more time than that. And so that's my intention today is for us to weave your wisdom and your teachings from the practical to the more spiritual, and then also for us to get to know you in the places where you're currently at right now, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, thank you. And that sounds great uh, because also what I've learned about myself over the years, like as I've really, I'm now in my third decade of my career, that those two things are so interwoven that I, I go on my own journey and I, I go really deep into myself and I learn ways to navigate that. And I look around me and see things that are missing that help me to navigate that. And then I create those things for other people. Yeah. I love that articulation and I love it's, it's like helpful for me to hear about your process and being for you in the third decade of that. Like, it sounds like you trust the process a bit more now too than maybe you did when you were younger, like how, how it all relates. I do very much. Like it's much easier for me to be in like a winter time of my career and my life because I can look back at previous winters and see like, oh Yeah shortly after that everything just kind of exploded and was like really full and I I yeah I trust the seasons of my life now it doesn't mean that that they're always easy by any means but I can just more readily be where I am with more levels of acceptance and trust 
beautiful. I feel like that's medicine that we all need, you know, being, being able to trust even the darker or more confusing times of our lives. Yeah. So I would love to start, you wrote an incredible book five years ago. I know this month is actually the five-year anniversary of when that book was published. And it's called The Book of She, which I highly recommend to anybody who's listening. I I read it so quickly. I just kind of ate it up and I love it. And I reference it a lot in my work with clients. Um, so I'm incredibly grateful to you for writing the book. And in the book, you talk about the heroine's journey. And I'm wondering if you could start out there and just tell us about what is the heroine's journey and what are the steps and stages of that as you understand it? Sure. I mean, the heroine's journey is a monomyth that exists in all of our psyches. And it exists throughout time, throughout all parts of the world and all mediums. We can see it in movies and TV shows, in our own lives. It's everywhere. And it's an adaptation of that monomyth, which Joseph Campbell articulated in in The Hero's Journey. And Maureen Murdoch, a Jungian analyst, wrote a book called The Heroine's Journey in the 90s that really adapted Joseph Campbell's model for women. And my this book kind of took Maureen's work further for more of the modern woman. You know, that was 30 years, almost 30 years after Maureen Murdoch wrote her book. And so it really takes into account these, um, these seasons and cycles that we all move through as women that are just ever present in our bodies, in our, our hormonal cycles. We go through a whole seasonal cycle each month. And we're so attuned to the moon and the moon goes through these seasonal cycles each month. So it's really like a model to help us locate ourselves when we're in transition. And I think that's especially useful for us as women because living in a patriarchal world, there's such a narrow, there's such a narrow pathway for us that if you don't fit into the rigid confines of that pathway, you can easily feel a lot of shame, like you're doing life wrong. And, you know, what shame is, is just feeling that that you are wrong or that you failed at life. And I know that I've definitely had a lot of those moments because my life does not fit into the straight and narrow of the patriarchal ideal for a woman that you get married to a man and you have children and like that, that's your life path. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a lot of women who don't fit into that model or who, you know, move out of it, move into it. There's just a lot of deviations. So this model really allows women to navigate the kind of the crunchier bits of life, those times when you think that you're a failure or when you think that everything's falling apart. And it helps you to see that those are actually the portals 
to your authentic empowerment, to your like, genuine coronation as a woman. Th- those are really times of tremendous beauty if you have the support to see them as such and to do the deep work required to make them such. And so this book is intended to, to help give that kind of support and framework. Thank you so much, Sarah, for articulating that. And I feel, and for bringing in shame, because I think that I I was actually just making an episode for this podcast on shame. And it is so true that it's like when we feel like we don't fit or we don't see examples or resonant mirrors outside of ourselves that tell us this is normal, this is okay, this is part of the journey of life as a woman, it's really easy to get down on ourselves. And and I'm so grateful to you for your work and for this book for that reason, because it helps us to locate and to put some understanding or framework, especially to those darker descents that I feel like we we have to go through as women. It's just, it's part of the territory. Yes. I mean, it's just life. It's just life. And shame is a control mechanism by society. Yes. When women feel shame, it's usually a control mechanism by patriarchal structures of society to keep us in line, to keep us doing things in a certain way. And one of the most healing tools for me and what I've really learned very pretty recently, it's just in the past year, is the medicine of validation. And so there's so many times in our lives as women that we are invalidated. You know, even that pregnancy is considered a disease in modern medicine. Like that is complete invalidation. And the medicine, the antidote for it is constant invalidation or, you know, people telling you maybe when you were a child or throughout your life, you know, you're too sensitive, you're high maintenance, that's constantly invalidating these gifts of your sensitivities. Totally. If you have an intuition as some, about something and, you know, your partner's just like, no, that's not true, but it actually it actually is, um, you know, that's invalidation. And so we need to apply the antidote of validation. And so hopefully this book and other resources, you know, like your podcast, Emma, can, can provide validation. No, there's nothing wrong with you. You're actually on the right path. You're doing great. Like that this is your genius coming forward. And then for us to internalize that and validate ourselves. And, you know, I call that my inner cheerleader. Like, you're doing a great job, Sarah. Like, you (laughs) you did a great job on that interview with Emma today. (laughs) You know, just at the end of the day or after I did something, instead of um, just criticizing myself, or maybe in addition to criticizing myself, because that the critic is kind of always there to various degrees, is is strengthening this this muscle of self-validation. I love this. And I love the inner cheerleader. And also I love being cheerleaders for other women and receiving cheerleading from other women. So thank you for naming all of this. 
Yeah. And another thing about the patriarchy is that it's really put us against each other as women. And I know we've all felt this, you know, I grew up in a house with three sisters and I felt that very early on. And then high school, you know, the older girls being mean to me, it's, it's like, again, the antidote to that is this, is this validation and this cheering each other on this supporting each other. Yes. Okay, so so help us break it down, Sarah, with this, the heroine's journey. Like, where does it begin? And I know it is cyclical, but help us understand how we enter or how we know we're entering and then where it goes from there. Sure, well, it usually starts off with a, a crisis or a wake-up call where all of a sudden, and I, I love the term that Glennon Doyle used in her book, Love Warrior, um, where you're evicted from your life. And it happens very suddenly. And those of you who've experienced this, and we've all experienced it in some degree or another, but if you've experienced very strongly, it, it is that feeling like the rug is pulled out from underneath you. And it's like everything, your whole reality is is gone and that could be you know your house burning down or someone you love suddenly dying or a betrayal um a whole host of things a health diagnosis a financial ruin and that's when you enter into the process and from there you you go into the underworld you go into the darkness into dissolution and dissolution dissolution is what the autumn season is it's a time of letting go of shedding of um you're kind of like half above ground half below ground you're between worlds and from dissolution you go into death which is like completely underground completely hidden and that's why often, you know, if, if you're going through a challenging time, very challenging time, usually you really like step back out of public view. And in modern life, it's maybe you're not posting on social media. Maybe you're not going out and socializing with people. Um, you're just like completely consumed by your inner process. Maybe you're in grief. Maybe you're in depression. Um, it's really like the winter time. And it's in that deep underground that in going through that deep inner spiritual and psychological journey that you really start to uncover the deeper gems of what that crisis is for you, what it has come here to teach you. And it starts to show you some essential things about yourself. Uh, because in our lives, we, we have the earth walk, which is horizontal. And the earth walk is about, um, it's all about like acquiring external things, which we know when we die, we can't take any of those with us. And then there's the spirit walk, which is vertical. And you know, going down deep into the underground, going down deep into the winter is part of that, you know, the lower point of that spirit walk. 
where you really learn those like deeper soul lessons, like forgiveness. Wow, forgiveness is a deep, deep soul lesson and it takes a lot of time. Resilience, courage, strength, faith. Those things can only be learned in the underground, in those, in those deeper, deeper, darker places. And um, then when that time is complete and it's not up to you to determine when that's going to be, it, it's gonna, you're going to be down there for as long as you need to be down there. And then gradually you move into the, the conception phase of early winter, early spring. And that is half below ground, half above ground. And that's when, you know, people can't really see the gestation that's happening or the conception that's happening and then the gestation that's happening in the spring. But gradually by the summertime, it's out in full bloom and you're, you're completely above ground. You're not hidden anymore. You're very visible people can see the changes again. And that's like the homecoming of the heroine. So you're back where you started from because you were in summer before the dissolution, but you're, you're a completely different person than you were. And this is um, in Native American traditions, this is known as like the sacred circle or the sacred hoop. And colonialism applied the name the medicine wheel to this this medicine wheel is present in so many areas of our lives like the seasons of the year the seasons of our bodies the heroine's journey the hero's journey our medicine wheels our own lives are medicine wheels and we just keep cycling through and through and through Sarah, thank you so much for naming and explaining all of these parts. It's I, I've certainly been exposed to them and I've read your books, but having given birth two years ago, which is my most recent experience of eviction <laughs> from my life, it's just I can't tell you how going back to validation, like how validating and affirming it is, because this is naming and putting language to exactly what my experience was. And even though I've been through several rounds in my adult life so far, and I know there'll be more, it never ceases to amaze me how hard the disillusion and death process are. Yes. And definitely, I mean, I haven't had that experience, but I hear you that childbirth and postpartum is is a, a big turn in that medicine wheel and the dissolution and the death phase for a woman and um yeah it's it's not supposed to be easy so it's not like you know you're just you're going to get it and you're going to be good at it and it's going to be easy it's like it's supposed to be hard yeah and we grow like one of my friends says comfort teaches nothing I love that. Yeah, we grow when things are hard. And that's just how things are on planet Earth. <laughs> and it's, if we want to grow, if we want to evolve, we have to be uncomfortable. We have to go through hard things. Yeah. 
Okay. So can you share with us, Sarah, because I know your life has gone through so much since five years ago when you wrote this book. And I'm wondering, I want to hear about where you're currently at on the medicine wheel or on the, in the heroine's journey. But before we go there, has your thinking or your conceptualization of this heroine's journey changed at all as a result of what you've lived through over the last five years? Yeah, that's a great question, Emma. And I've been thinking about that since, since yesterday when we were emailing about talking about the heroine's journey today. And I think it's a both and answer. Like I, I feel like what I shared in this book is really solid and really true. And if I were to rewrite this book now, it would be different. But I don't know how it would be different because I haven't applied. Like I'm just, I'm just coming out of death. So, you know, when you're in that death, when you're in winter, it's like all of your energy goes in just for, you know, working with your material. And surviving, right? And so I'm just not in the place where I could have that distance to get perspective on what would be different. Yeah. Can you share with us about, because that's a long time, right? Five years to be down in the depths. And, and I know it's been so true. And can you share with us about what has occurred in the last five years that you've been sorting through, disillusioning with, dying with? Sure. Yes. And I want to say that when I published this book, I thought that was like my heroine's journey homecoming because the years preceding it, and I I share those stories in the book, uh, were challenging as well, but not nearly, nowhere near (laughs) the level on the Richter scale that I experienced after I published the book. And you know, people have warned me when you be careful what you write a book about because you'll need to learn that at an even deeper level. And I could have never, you know, five years ago, I just could have never fathomed what was around the corner. And yeah, I'm not sure. I don't want to go into all the details, but it's it was just a whole series of of Armageddon's, you know, personal betrayals, professional betrayals, health challenges, um, abortion, and just a whole dissolution of my life. It's like one person commented, it's like life just, or the universe just took a blowtorch to your life and everything was burned, just metaphorically, you know, I, knock on wood, my home didn't burn down. But um, at a certain point, I just felt like I couldn't even leave the house because anywhere I looked, anything I did, it, it like, it, something bad happened. Like some, you know, it's like everything was just not working. And the best I could do was just like sit still and just 
sit in it and just wait. So that's like, that's just like the light touch on it. Yes. <laughs> and there was a lot of, um, a lot of depression, um, suicidal ideation at, at certain points because it was, it was that bad. And, um, it's just a very, very hard time. Yeah. And thank you, Sarah, for respecting yourself and what you're choosing to share and not share. I just want to also, again, validate that. And, and even just feeling like the, the phrases, like the blowtorch, everything getting burned down, like just the series that you, of things that you went through and to come to that low of a low, I just, my heart feels for you. And I just have so much respect for the territory that I know you've needed to navigate in order to be, you know, having a little sprout above into the light right now, like just like approaching the homecoming. Um, I'm just really in awe of how you've handled yourself and a lot of unexpected experiences. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that medicine of of witnessing me and validating me and just being here with me through through the journey. And that that's also just really good medicine when we're going through these times is is to have witnesses for our journeys. Yeah. So in this sitting still that you described, what were some of the most useful important ingredients along the way for you in these last five years that have been resourcing or supportive? Oh, there's so many things because it's like each, each layer kind of brought up new material, like new teachers I was working with, like new practices I was doing. And, you know, it's, it was a time of really deep study and that's also the fall season. The season of dissolution is um, like the medicine for this season is study. And the medicine for winter is rest. Uh, the medicine for spring is play. And the medicine for summer is service for work. You know, work as a way of like contributing to the world. So yeah, a lot of study and the main threads that come to mind it was a deep psychological rewiring. So it was kind of just like taking these like crisscrossed wires that I realized were ancestral. Because if we think about like the four streams of our ancestors, like we just inherit that wiring. And it's like take like first taking the knots out of them and then like laying them out in long strips and then laying them laying them back in in new and healthy tracks so I'm doing that regularly now through like a long process of ancestral healing mm -hmm. uh, I realize now that a lot of what I experienced was a result of intergenerational trauma yes it took me it took me about four years to get to that layer because I was working through a lot of personal and then immediate family 
layers and then seeing like, no, this isn't, this isn't my stuff. This is like ancestral stuff. Um, so healing, healing at the ancestral level, uh, rewiring, really, really being vigilant about my thoughts. That takes a lot of time. That takes years of consistent practice prayer, um, deepening in prayer, deepening in divine communication, divine guidance. The winter time is the season for that. You know, when you can't, there's no light shining on your path. There's no light. How do you find your way forward? You can only find your way forward through um, divine guidance. And grief giving a lot of space for grief and just the oh and rage rage which is part of grief i the rage that i would experience at certain times like i i would never do this but i could understand how someone could go into like a building with a machine gun and shoot people like i had that much rage moving through me at certain points um so just like expanding my container to hold those harder, those harder feelings. I'm so glad you're mentioning that, Sarah, because how did you do that? I feel like that is one of the hardest things is to increase our capacity to hold more intense emotions. You know, it's just one small step at a time. And there were so many days that... I didn't just take it one day at a time, but I took it like one moment at a time where like, I didn't even know like how I was going to live through the next moment. So it was just breaking things down to that level and just gradually, you know, and I've had a meditation practice for you know, over 20 years now. So that definitely helps, you know, meditation. Mm-hmm has helped to expand my capacity and just building that like witness consciousness and also studying a lot about grief and about rage, you know, to having that like preloading with that intellectual information uh, helps when the material is actually arising because then you have both the, the background experience of meditating during hard times you know, if like I'm on a meditation retreat and I'm sitting for six hours and my knee is burning or, you know, something, it's like, I know that I've gotten through that. And so you just kind of titrate out and expand. Um, but really it's only through the doing that we learn. I so appreciate you naming this moment to moment reality, Sarah, especially for those women who are listening, who might be, in the deep depths of grief or loss or despair or um, shock from the sudden eviction, whatever their flavor is in their life. And I remember that after my daughter was born for so many months, it was like, all I can handle is this moment. If I, and I, cause I don't even know if I can handle this moment, but if I try to get out one day, two days a week in advance, I'm just setting myself up for massive failure and to to have love and care for ourselves right there where um, like it's okay if we're in a time or a season of our lives where we cannot deal with more than one moment. Yeah. 
And there, yeah, there are definitely times in life when that's, that's the medicine or that's part of the medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah, I'm curious, um, and it may, it may be too soon for this, given where you are in the journey, but you talk about with the homecoming or kind of like, I'm imagining that fourth quadrant of the medicine wheel that there's like, we return in a way to life or to community, um, with gifts. And I'm wondering if you're at that stage yet, like where you have a sense of the gifts of this time or this cycle for you, or if you're not there. Yeah. So there's another, there's another, um, kind of medicine wheel that we could talk about. And that is, uh, women who are in my, around my age, I'm going to be 43 next month. And that's our midlife transition, which on average, it, it can start at around 37 and go to around 43. And but sometimes it can be shorter than that. Sometimes it can be up to 10 years. Uh, mine has definitely been on the longer range. And there's, there's certain um, milestones along that particular initiation. And maybe that's something I'll, I'll write or, or teach more about in depth once I have more distance from it, because it's, I think it's also really helpful and orienting because this, I mean, this has been just a very, <laughs> just to say it's been disorienting is an understatement, but yeah, I'm in like the last stages of my midlife transition. So there's maybe six to nine months left or so. And the midlife transition is about many things. One, it's about sorting. So sorting what is, what is authentically us and what isn't. And also about really coming into your life's work, which in our culture, we conflate as career. We think that our purpose or our life's work is like the work that we get paid for in the world, but that's not what it is. It's like the reason why your soul came here. And that could, it can be a whole range of things. You know, it could be like taking care of animals. It could be raising a child. You know, it's like, it can be very seemingly mundane things, but if you have the support and validation to really go through your midlife transition and not just see it as what our culture sees it as like the midlife crisis where you have an affair and, you know, from a man goes, has an affair and goes and buys a sports car. Like it's a much deeper soul reckoning process than that. So I'm still in that piece of like working out my life's work. And even though I know I've been engaged in it for a long time, there's a, there's a refinement and a sorting process that's been happening around that that I'm still in. No, I'm not in my homecoming yet. Um, there, there's definitely flavors of that, you know, that I, that I can see now that I came back to Boulder, that I'm even doing an interview now. Like I've, I've really been hidden for, for some years. So yeah, I'm just in the very beginning stages. And again, I don't know how long it will be because <laughs> this is even way longer than I could have ever fathomed. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I so appreciate your acknowledgement of that, that that we don't get to know. And that the best we can do is is be patient and keep showing up, even if like it's so easy, especially in our culture, to want to be like, oh, I noticed this with the pandemic, you know, it's like by January, I can't wait for 2021 to be here. Well, there's no magic thing that's going to happen on January 1st, 2021, that's going to all of a sudden get us out of this situation we're in collectively. And, and to be able to build some stamina and some endurance for the mystery of how long we abide in each cycle feels really important. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm always wary of people that think that they know the answers because the real strength comes from, you know, in Zen Buddhism, it's the don't know mind. Yeah. And that's part of my, my meditation practice now is like, just, just dropping down into my belly and just saying like, I don't know, like, I really, really don't know. Thank you for that. I was, I was in a challenging situation recently and just sort of in tears saying like, I don't know what is going to change this. And a friend said to me, can you just stay with the not knowing? And I feel like that is so hard, but like you're saying, it's also where a new kind of strength and power lies is, is like the ability to sit in that not knowing. Yes. And it's, it's hard because, you know, the E it's, it's the ego and it's the ego constriction, the defense structure of needing to know, needing to figure it out. And when we relax that it allows us to drop into our, our essential nature, which is just, just here. Yeah. And that's also the feminine, um, the feminine path, you know, and a lot about what this, these past five years have taught me in a much deeper way is like just being with our, our suffering. Like I, that's one of, that's like maybe the biggest gift that I learned is like how to just be with myself when I'm suffering. Mm. Cause the suffering is, is God too. Like it's all everything, all of existence is the sacred. And, you know, whether you're above ground or below ground, whether it's summer or winter, but it just, it feels different along different points in the wheel and just, just being with that. Mm. Thank you for doing that deep work, Sarah. I feel like it's some of the hardest work to allow for and to sit with suffering and not try to fix it or biohack or tool our way out of it. There was all of that too. Yes, the both and, like not getting completely swallowed, still trying to help oneself and also practicing with allowing for it and being with it. Yeah. Thank you for adding that because I think when I think about my own life, it is often the dance when I'm in acute suffering. It's the dance of how do I... It's like the relative and the absolute. How do I try to help myself the best I can with all the resources I know? And can I just be with and allow for? Yeah. 
So you spoke a little bit in the beginning about how, what you're prioritizing. And I'm wondering if you can just say a little bit more about no, given where you are in the process, like how are you specifically caring for yourself, knowing that, knowing where you are in the, in the, on the heroine's journey? Yeah, I mean, that word gentleness is really important because, um, you know, I think that there can be, you know, I can have like a feeling of impatience and I I do have like a a fire element and intensity in me that can be like, I want to like go out there and do all these things, but I know like, no, that I need to like really temper myself and because I don't want to just leap back in and do things the way that I've always done them. Like I, I really want to come back at my life from a new place. And so that requires just moving slowly and being really self-aware. And what allows me to do that is to be rested, um, to make sure I'm doing my morning meditation practice, prayer, journaling, um again walks outside just really making sure I have enough time for my inner life so I stay connected to this divine guidance because what's guiding all of this process and all of us is this inborn guidance that knows how we'll achieve our highest potential so just like a an embryo grows into a baby or an acorn grows into an oak tree Um, The difference in those is that there's, you know, there's not the ego that can kind of say, yes, we're going to do this or no, we're not. So the more that I can just create space for that inner listening and then act on that inner listening, um, the more that I know I'm going to just stay aligned with this process of coming back into conception and gestation when the time is right. Mm, Beautiful. It, it makes so much sense. The other thing I'd say is that um, also practically speaking, grounding. So validation is an important medicine and so is grounding. So I'm eating really grounding foods and I'm not having any stimulants, not even taking any supplements, which is strange for me. <laughs> My past partners said that I have like, I take like the same amount of supplements as a pro football player or something like that. (laughs) I used to spend a lot of money on supplements and just, and I haven't been taking any for, for some months now and it feels really liberating. So yeah, just, just really making sure I stay grounded. Sarah, how do you know when you are arriving into a more free, more whole, more integrated version of yourself? Like what are the signs or the clues or the indicators? What um, is just, I feel like myself. And that's something that's like, that's like a new awareness that's coming. Cause now I'm starting to feel like myself again in a way that's familiar. And I didn't know if that feeling was ever going to come back or if that self was gone forever. 
but I'm starting to feel like myself again, rather than feeling like I'm like in a blender or something. (laughs) And then something else, and this is a terminology from Internal Family Systems by Dick Schwartz. This is, I weave that in through the book of She a lot. And it's been, it's a psychotherapeutic model that's been really helpful for me and that I've been studying in for a while. And there's this concept of self energy, like self with a capital S versus say like a wounded child or your inner critic or your planner um, or a firefighter, like the one who likes to smoke cigarettes or drink tequila or whatever it is. The self, when I feel like I have access to my self energy more of the time, um, that's also when I know I'm coming back to a state of wholeness and in equilibrium. When there's another part, like stealing the show. I love that capturing and I can just resonate so much with that feeling. I think it was when my daughter was... 18 months, I was walking outside and I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, here I am again. And, and it, it wasn't a state that lasted for very long. Like I feel like now I'm, I'm able to occupy that sense of self, that higher look with the capital S more but I remember the first glimmer of when it came back and it was such a relief because I genuinely did not know if who I thought self to be prior was going to return in any capacity at all. Yes. And that's what happens. Like it, it starts to come in little glimpses and then, um, and then it will start to stabilize. And it reminds me when I was reading um, Cheryl Strait's book, Wild, over this time, these, you know, these past several years. And I remember there's one, I don't know the exact quote, but she was talking about how there's times where you're just like clawing through the dark and just trying to, to stay alive. And then one day you sit on a bench in the sun and you throw your head back and you realize I'm okay. And I get goosebumps thinking about that because I read that and I was like, I just held on to that quote. Like, I'm not there, but she got there. And one day, one day I will have that feeling again. Oh, I feel so touched in my heart, Sarah. And I felt full body rush too, as you just said that. And yeah, and it's like, it, it just really captures the experience of darkness and descent right there. It's like, it's like, we cannot it's not like we want to be clawing and confused and lost and not connected to that bigger sense of self. It's like, it's happening. And sometimes there just really isn't a choice. And, but, but I love too, like how you didn't know that woman personally, but being able to read her books was a source of um, promise or hope that like, okay, I can get there too, even though I'm totally not there. And I think that's what we have the opportunity to do for each other as women is like, I see you, I see you down there and I know it's hell right now. And I'm holding that someday you will sit on that bench and throw your head back. And when we can do that for each other, it's like the most profound gift. It is. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. 
And that's also what I want to encourage um, because that was also one of the hardest things for me is that they're just, just a lot of people weren't there for me. And I think that a lot of people weren't there for me. One, because we just, we just live in a culture that's just so busy and that's just like addicted to this like early summer energy. And while yes, this, this journey can only, we can only go through it alone. Like it's a very solitary journey. Like we need support. And there were so many times when I just didn't have the support that I needed. And I know I'm not alone in that just to say like, so if you have been through it. So now if someone's going through grief or something, I say like, call me anytime, like literally. Like if you just need just someone to listen or someone just to just hold space, I, I'm here. It's so beautiful, Sarah. And it's so true how the way life is set up and how we're conditioned, how easy it is to get consumed by ourselves when we're not in such acute darkness and to forget to check on the ones that might be further away or that, you know, we just haven't talked to in a while. It's such an important reminder to make those little extra efforts. Yeah. To just not, not lose touch with what it's like to suffer deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it's, it feels so satisfying for me to talk about this with you. Likewise, I love having these kinds of conversations. Yeah. It is like nourishment. It is. It really is a special kind of nourishment. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. Truth. Yeah. It's medicine. It is. So Sarah, can you tell us what, and I, I want to presence abortion again, actually, I'm realizing Um, Because I know that's been such an important part of your journey and your work in supporting women now for several years. And um, I'm just wondering, like, what, as you're talking about this midlife transition and stepping even more fully into your life's purpose, which may or may not be your obvious, quote unquote, profession or work in the world, but what is the shape that your work is taking these days and what are you doing around abortion support for people and yeah, anything you want to share about what's percolating? Sure. Yeah. My work is still like in a nebulous phase because I, I took everything apart a couple of years ago and just because the structure I was working in didn't feel authentic and I just realized that really the world of internet marketing and kind of like the whole cookie cutter business model for that, which is great. You know, it works for a lot of people and just, you know, kudos to you if it does, there's nothing wrong with it. It just didn't fit my personality. I'm very introverted. So I took that all that apart and I'm not really actively putting anything together quite yet. Just like little threads that feel relevant. So I am starting to do more around supporting women after abortion. I started a free website hosted by Substack. If anyone's familiar with that, it just makes it easy to subscribe to get updates on new articles. And that's healingafterabortion.substack.com, where I just post free resources about how to heal after abortion physically, 
emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Uh, my whole story is up there as well and different interviews that I've done. Just having like these types of conversations around abortion. Um, and I'll, I also do counseling for women when they're trying to decide if they should have an abortion or to kind of put together a plan after they have an abortion or if they just need support. Because um, sometimes abortion is straightforward, but a lot of times it's very complex. I needed way more support than I thought I would. There'll be more coming, but that's what's there right now. Uh, and then I, I teach. Like teaching is really my my thing, and um, mostly retreats. So whether that's these days, it's like half day virtual retreats, and I weave together meditation and yoga and um, dharma talks and journaling and different group practices and. When times allow, I also do that in person. And then I do one-on-one work as well. So those are the main threads. And there will be another book at some some point. <sighs> yeah, when, when it is the right time, I imagine when it emerges and wants to come through. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah, for all of your work, but in particular, your work around caring for women with regard to abortion. I think it's so important and so under talked about. And there's just a lot of dimensions to it. There's a lot of dimensions. Um, It was way more complex than I could have ever fathomed. You know, we have these four dimensions of ourselves. And then there's also the cultural dimension, which is huge with abortion and relational dimension. Um, and there were no resources, none. And I learned a lot. And so the purpose of that website is just to just start to record and just get out into the world, you know, bit by bit things that I learned so that it doesn't have to be so disorienting, hopefully for, for women down the line. Yeah. I really appreciate how over the whole time I've known you, Sarah, your gift, and it kind of comes first full circle to what we were talking about in the beginning, but your gift for living things fully, navigating them deeply and thoroughly, and then somehow coming out the other end and being able to have it be of service, like like channeling that suffering or wisdom or experience into paving the way and shining the light for other people. It's, you know, you don't have to do that. And it's a courageous choice that you make every time. And, and I know I've received so much from it as have other women. Thank you. And it's, you know, it's oddly very satisfying for me, you know, like when women reach out to me, and some women also reach out to me if they need a therapeutic abortion, you know, if they, if they have, have a child that they knew they wanted to keep, but as chromosomal abnormalities, and they're trying to decide, you know, do I terminate? Or if I terminate, how do I take care of my body so I can get pregnant again? And they often say like, you know, is it okay if I ask you this? Or if I ask you certain questions about your experience? And I'm like, yes, like I'm an open book. Ask me anything you know, because it, it helps, it just helps to, um, it's even more healing for me 
to be able to use what I went through just to help someone else. I so know that feeling. And I feel like it's, it's part of our wisdom as women. It's part of literally how women heal. It's through the storytelling. It's through the sharing of experience, the empathizing, the resonating, that we feel less alone, less crazy in a patriarchal world, less shame. Yeah. Um, it's such a critical, it's like almost probably one of the most powerful components to our healing, I think. Yeah. And it's the medicine of, um, of just truth telling and generosity, which is that opposite of that, um, that kind of withhold and like manipulation that has been set up between women. Yes. Like how, how can I just be more generous? And that, I think that takes us back to like ancestral times when our women's culture was more whole and well, where like, that's just what we did with each other. We just helped yeah. each other, supported each other and just shared all of our gifts with each other. Mm, that sounds really nice. I'm like, that feels like a guiding image or frame to return to. Like, how can I be even more generous with the women in my life today? How can I be even more available? Yeah. Wow, Sarah, I feel really touched and moved by our conversation today. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yes, it's... um it's been it's been really rewarding for me too and i always just i love going deep with you emma and even better that we can share our conversation with so many others yeah i love it too so i have one final question for you which is if i handed you a microphone and i told you that every single woman in the world was going to receive your message what would you want women to hear? I would want them to hear the quote that I have at the start of the book of she, which is God is within her. She will not fail. That's from Psalm 46, five. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Emma. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.